And now, here's this episode of the Elevating IT Podcast, sponsored by Audit. Welcome to the audit. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought oh, I was yeah. Doing... Well, all right. You're going to do oh, it. Go ahead. I, no, no. You oh, go. Man, you ruined it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's no, start like, uh, I was trying to steal your thunder. I was trying to have some fun with this. All right. Go for it. I don't know what to say. Welcome, Welcome everybody. People to, to the, the Elevating IT Podcast. I'm Frank Benedetto here with my co-host, Mike Brooks. Hey, Frank. Nice to see you. How are you, Mike? Good. You ready for Labor Day weekend? I am. I'm Big uh, plans? I'm, I'm very excited for it. It's going to be a nice weekend. It is, yeah. It's starting to get cooler out now, but uh, the weather's still nice. So, yeah, it's going to be nice here in Connecticut. I know it won't be nice in New Jersey because it's never nice in New Jersey. <laughs> We're in that period where it's like nice in like the early part of the day, and then you get like the violent like rainstorm, looks like a tornado for like a half hour, and then an hour later the sun's back out. So, that's a long a, way. That's that Florida stuff. Yeah, it's been crazy. Wow. All right. So today we have a, um, and Frank's punchy today because we've got a three-day weekend. I'm pretty excited. Yeah. So you're going to work only half of the weekend, right? You want, want me to tell you what I'm going to be doing? Here's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug a product that I uh, haven't quite used entirely yet, <clears throat> but I have high hopes. So my garage, um, somebody painted it before I, I, live there right they painted it like gray it's nice you know when you paint the concrete it looks nice the dust doesn't build up but it doesn't look great when it starts peeling yeah so i've basically been sweeping peeling paint out of my house for the last 12 years so i thought about getting it epoxied but epoxy is expensive but the challenge is is that it costs even more to prepare it where you got to remove the paint now right so my buddy turned me on to a product called Race Deck, R-A-C-E-D-E-C-K, Race Deck. And they make like these, I'll call them tiles. It's almost, I don't want to call it plastic. It's probably some fancy, you know, polymer or whatever. And uh, they come in 12 inches or 18 inches, all different colors. So like you ever see those showrooms where like people have a Ferrari and it's like a red border and like black and white checker, like that kind of look. Really cool. So clearly I don't have a Ferrari and I don't need to have checkers in my garage, but uh, my buddy's like, you got it. I use it in my garage. You got to see they snap together. So it's like a floating floor almost like you would do in a house. But uh, long story short, the UPS guy begrudgingly delivered like, you know, 10, 50 pound boxes of race deck. So uh, tomorrow, uh, my early morning project is to take everything off the floor of the garage, sweep all that out, and then put this all down. So I'm going to do a before and after picture for you. Maybe we'll even uh, try to figure out a way that we could bring it up on the screen here. But That would be uh, awesome. So that's my that's my plug for race deck. It has nothing to do with uh, audit or, uh, or technology or even Labor Day for that matter. But I just want to let you know where I'll be tomorrow. I really think you should do red, yellow, green tiles in your garage and do an audit. Oh. Do an audit of your garage in your garage. I mean, that's really, that would be awesome. You know what the best part of the process was is uh, it like the designer is like the most basic, like eight bit video game looking thing mm-hmm. where like, remember like Pong <laughs> to like 
two lines I'm and like a dot bouncing back and forth. So when you're designing the, the the layout of the flooring, you kind of put in your dimensions so it draws like that for you, <clears throat> and then you pick your color and you can do whatever you want. So of course, like you know, the inner child of me is like I'm drawing like these like binary like eight bit you know pictures like on um, there laughing. Of course, so you could right. you could do that. You could like take that and like you know put that on your floor, which of course I would. But anyway, I was anyway. All right, so let's talk about uh, selling, yeah, Frank, because this is the weekly sales wrap and the Elevating IT podcast. And uh, I sent an email out to to everybody, letting them know we're going to do this today, and uh, gave them a little special incentive to be here. Uh, to give away a book called Gap Selling, which we've actually been talking a bit about, and we're going yeah, through the the nine um, the nine points that are that start that book. So we're going to send one person who's listening, but the trick is you have to comment because we have to know who you are. So <laughs> comment in, say hi, say something funny, tell us a joke, tell us who you are, where you are, uh, whatever you'd like. But we we need to uh, we need to pick a winner at the end of the show today. And we're going to talk about uh, number eight. We're getting down to the wire. We've been covering this the past few days, uh, past few uh, weeks, I, I want to say. This is the eighth week. Uh, and what we're talking about, and, and Frank, why don't you give kind of a synopsis of gap selling? Because it, it's, the, the, and let me back up a little bit. You know, there's, me and Frank tend to tell each other to read stuff. So I'm going to set the table for this. Me and Frank tend to send each other like blog posts, articles, books and say, you got to read this because it explains exactly what audit is and why audit works. And we get excited about it. And I've done that to you. You've done that to me. Um, and, and the cool thing about it is if you get a sales book, you're going to stumble across something in it that tells you the story of audit a little bit. Because, And I want you to explain a, a little bit while, why gap selling excited you. Well, I mean, reading the book after the fact was exciting because it explained exactly why audit works. And um, what was kind of cool is that we happened upon the audit report and then tried it and knew it worked. And, um, you know, we started to uh, realize that 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 style report was was resonating with with prospects and then with clients and uh reading the book explains exactly why. And, you know, the simple concept of gap selling <clears throat> is basically you are anchoring your prospect in their current state, helping them understand where they are. And then you're showing them a future state and getting them emotionally invested in that. And the difference between those two states represents your gap. The gap is, is the value of what you're selling. And that's, you know, the, the essence of what audit does. And, uh, you know, some people overlook the simplicity of it and think that you, know, you have to make it more complicated because it's a it's technology and in this industry, you know, it tends to be confusing and complicated. But honestly, uh, it works uh, really, really well. Um, and that book gap selling explains in, in greater detail why that is. And uh, I know today we're talking about um, number eight and the truth bombs about selling. And uh, do you want me to reveal that one, or do you want to uh, want to do it? Well, go for it, man. Uh, you, you kind of alluded to it already, so yeah. So this it's all about the future state, right? <clears throat> That's uh, number eight. You've got to get them emotionally invested in the future state. What's interesting is that I used to think that this is what I was doing with the proposal, right? So if you think about um, what what 
would happen is I would show up. Um, I would, I would pitch, you know, an assessment really what I was doing was fact finding just so I can create a proposal. Right. And when I would come in with the proposal, um, that's their future state. Now to me, it meant something, right? Because I understand all this stuff and what they don't understand is, is are the line items on there, right? So there's no emotion for them. They're just completely confused. I say, hey, here's your future state. It's going to be X dollars a month. That they understood. So the only thing they understood in that future state was how much it was. And the only basis of comparison that I gave them to, or, or even a reason to make a, a decision had to do with them comparing that number to somebody else. And if I was the cheapest guy, I could win the deal. If I wasn't, then I wouldn't get the deal. And so that's like the wrong way to do this, right? The future state should not be uh, presented in a proposal. In fact, I don't even use a proposal uh, unless they're ready to sign. And that's just a formality. It's almost like I treat that like the, like the master service agreement. Right. Um, what we need to be doing is we need to get them invested in that future state and get them to understand what it looks and feels like. And that's what that audit report does without confusing them or making it complicated. It gets them to see like, wow, I could be close to a hundred on a hundred point scale, or I could be almost all green, you know, whatever, those are all triggers and, uh, of measurement. And really important, and we talked about this, is this is why you need to show them the current state, right? Because if you are trying to get them emotionally invested in the future, but they have nothing to compare it to, then again, you failed on the gap. So you could fail if you don't, you know, anchor them in current, you fail if you don't show them the future, right? So it doesn't work if you go, well, here's where you are today. You're bad. Here's your proposal. That doesn't work, right? If you skip, here's where you are today and just show them a proposal, that's really bad. So, you know, again, the audit report helps us um, easily show a before and after. It's really what it, we're doing, comparing the two and helping them understand, you know, what it takes to get them there. Um, and what's great about this too is I met with a client, uh, or I should say a prospect, I'm sorry, yesterday, and they don't quite have the budget to, to, to be where they need to be. <clears throat> so we established a budget for them. And now my job, and they understand this, I said, my job is to get you the best I can for that, bu that budget and do the priority things first, right? So when I come to them, they're not going to be at 100. They might not even be at 90. They might be more at an 80. Right. But they're willing to accept that that future state is an improvement over where, they're gonna, where they are today, which is probably a 25. I'm going to get them so a certain point along the line. And then I know that my job, and I explained this, and they're, they're on board with this, and my job is to help educate you and stay with you in business reviews into the future to make sure that you're doing the right things and to head off problems and make sure that you're not going to lose data, get ransomware, et cetera. And I know that very quickly we're going to upsell them to where they don't think they have budget. They will. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Great explanation. Um, so just a reminder, folks, to um, pop in your name, you know, who, actually make a comment on you, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, because if you want to get a copy of um, Gap Selling, David's saying he loves audit and just used it for the first time in the real world. And it went really well. Awesome to hear. Uh, we'd love to have a copy of the Gap Selling book. So we're going to raffle it off. So if you're jumping on and you haven't um, 
put a comment in. We need to know who you are to be yeah. so, you can, so we can include you in the little raffle that we're going to do at the end to give somebody a copy of Gap Selling. And Marcel asks, is there some sort of network scanning tool that helps populate the audit tool? Uh, no. Well, not from us, but we recommend that you, you know, you can pair this up with rapid fire tools. Um, you could also use LionGuard. Both of those tools do a uh, pretty cool job at scanning, collecting data. Um, but there is some manual intervention there because you need to be able to interpret that data for your prospect. You leave it up to them to interpret, then you're just going to end up with a really big binder of, of, of data. So yeah, and this goes into, this really actually dovetails right nicely back into um, our discussion about the, the future state. Because if you don't demonstrate the future state and there's no, there has to be drama and emotion, right, right. for people to buy. And we talked about that in weeks past. And, and you know, there, there has to be tension. They have to see that their current state sucks and that right. they need to change. They have to desire to change on an emotional level. And then the future state is, is easy for them to go, you know, that's what I need. That's what I want. Now, right. how do you get there? And it really comes back down to something we talked about in week one, which is asking, or maybe week three, asking questions and fact finding. So let's talk about scanning or, or you know, not, yeah. not just scanning, but let's talk about the fact finding process. I could tell you that, um, 100% in the book validates this, that the sale is made during the discovery. And the data collection tools, whether it's rapid fire, mine guard, or anything else that you might use, um, are necessary for you to do your job and to get the facts. But that usually answers the what and the how. What sells is the why. And you get to the why by asking open-ended questions during the discovery. Right. What I don't want to do is I don't want to waste the time during the discovery session asking them how many, you know, endpoints do they have or, you know, like scanning to see if the passwords haven't been changed. Right. That stuff that you could do, you know, outside of the, the main part of the discovery. But the discovery has to center on asking the why and unearthing the problems and drilling down deep into there because what you're doing as you're doing that that person is swinging around to your side of the table and now they're a partner in this with you and now they're saying what do we do about these problems how are we going to solve the problems and now they want to see your future state because that solves their problems right if you if you circumvent that discovery and make it only about gathering some technical data and pulling it into a report you have completely missed the entire purpose of the discovery. You haven't gotten to what the problem is. And as they say, if there's no problem, there's no sale, right? You're trying to sell them something that's a solution to a problem. They don't know what it would exist that exists, right? So I could tell you, <clears throat> let me give you a little, you know, uh, the visual on like what the meetings typically were for me is <clears throat> I would do fact finding, not true discovery, I would come in to that meeting with my proposal and a binder of stuff. And I'd start talking tech. And this is what this is what I would see on the other side. This is what the prospect would start doing. And I'm going to narrate as you're doing this for our podcast listeners, Frank was leaning in 
<laughs> and he was basically started slowly leaning back in his chair. And now his head is kind of bobbing and he's looking through the proposal with the price on it. And he's checking to see how much this is all going to cost him because he's, and he's ignoring the person on the other side of the table who is trying to talk about all this tech stuff because he's bored out of his mind and he's confused. Yeah. Was and that? that happened every time. And it always became a talk about price, right? And they say, you know, that means you haven't explained the value, but more importantly, gap signs, we haven't defined what the gap is. When I started using the audit report, immediately I would flip to the summary impact page and the person would lean forward and they'd go, this, I got to do that. Just, wow, that's not that good. Uh, there's a lot of red. What What's the, I only got a 24? Yep. And they're immediately drawn in. So you talked about, you have to like get, you have to wake them up. The croc brain is immediately activated when you see that and they immediately want to know what does this mean? And now you're taking them that down that journey. And when we're done in a very short period of time without getting real technical, they understand what the current state is. Now it's perfect time to show them the future. So, hey, I put together a solution for you to all those problems that we talked about. And now when they see that visually, all the green, the improvement of the score, and you tell them how much that is, that's the value of the gap, right? Right. No need to pull out the, the data from anywhere to show them all the data. Or, and I think a lot of MSPs feel almost like they're um, – I don't know what the right word is here. I would say jip. They feel like they're jipping the, uh, you know, the, the 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 prospect if they don't take them through all that all that detail and nitty gritty, right? Like for some some way they're being like ripped off. Like ah, uh, you didn't show me all the data. Like how and people we hear that too. I'm saying, well, how do they know that you're telling them the truth? Right. What? That's what you're worried about as an MSP that your prospect doesn't believe you. Like first there of all. You got to have confidence, right? And you have to know what you're doing. I mean, you know, you have to believe in yourself. I go in there. I know I know what I'm talking about. I yeah. never, ever think to myself, gee, I hope the prospect believes what I'm telling them. Well, here's and the thing. And they never have asked me to prove it to them either. What's up? Here's the thing is that, that you're not going to be in the office with them presenting to them if they don't trust you and think that you're the expert. You wouldn't be there in the first place. You do not. Once you have an appointment with somebody. You, you no longer need to go in there and prove your worth. You just need right. to show them that you understand their problem. They, are, they, they wouldn't invite you in if they didn't think you were, you were valuable. And if you have to go into somebody's office, like if they're price shopping you and just going, you know what? I hear these guys, this MSP, they're a bunch of losers and they're, they're dumb. But let's invite them in, see if they're the lowest price. You don't want to be in their office anyway. So if you're invited and, in... And I and I can tell you, this is the MSP inside their own head worried because they're going to be compared to another MSP. And what they think right. is that I need to show them I'm smarter than the other guy, especially if I'm more expensive. So I better, I don't know if I'm more expensive, right? You know, maybe I'm the low bid, but maybe I'm the high bid. So no matter what, I'm going to show you how smart I am. So hopefully you remember that when, if I'm the highest proposal, you go, yeah, but though that guy's really smart. It doesn't work that way. The game doesn't work that way at all. That is not what they're looking at. I can tell you what you do though, by using audit and, and presenting this way. And we get this feedback all the time is you set yourself apart from all any other MSPs that you might be compared to, right? 
if you present this way and the other guys all show up with binders of data and a proposal, it won't matter if you're the most expensive guy. They're going to go, you know what? I want to go with the best guy. And that guy looks like the best guy because he explained this to me. I have a clear vision of what it is. Right. And you know what? I don't need to know every technical piece of minutia. And that's why I believe, you know, three outcomes, buy now, buy less now or buy later. Right. You're still you're going to sell something at some point to that prospect guaranteed. Right. All right. So what I want everybody to do, Frank talked about this, the reaction that we're going to make this a little participation. So and there's a reason I'm doing this. I'll reveal it later. But um, we're, we're giving away the book Gap Selling to one person. And we're going to make it participatory. So you've already participated. If you've, you've got to put a comment in to be in it, but the more comments you put in, the better chance you have of winning. So I'm going to invite you to comment and share what your reactions have, what reactions have you guys seen? So Frank illustrated, I, ne I, I did the play-by-play -play of Frank illustrating what his prospects used to do across the table from him when he presented with the tech, when he tried to educate them. Or if you're an audit user, share your experience, what you've seen across the table when you've put down the audit report. So let's uh, let's let's get started. And while you're doing that, we'll get back on that topic. Oh, and I wanted to, to talk about the croc brain thing because you brought that up and people may not know what we're talking about with that. So I thought good good to talk about that a little bit because um, so, so we, we have three parts of our brain, right? The primitive brain, the midbrain, which is put the thing in social context, and then the neocortex, the new part, which is the modern part, which is what allows us to think logically. So the croc brain is in everybody and it's the gatekeeper. Like the croc brain is what keeps you from driving down the road and, and getting distracted by every squirrel that you see, because it's not new. It's not novel. It's not like, like if you saw a bear crossing the road, you'd be like, oh my God, what the heck? You would stop, you'd pull over because the croc brain is like, that's something new. Interesting. Let's go look at that. And now the, the mind is focused on that. So if you're not presenting in a way that's interesting, that's emotional, that's novel, that's new, that's different, the crock brain just go, goes, we don't need to, to worry about this. Let's do something else. Let's think about what we're going to have for dinner while you're talking. Right. So, and that's the lean back mode, right? Exactly. Let's see what uh, Rich has to say here. Rich, Rich is asking, how would you use audit on a business that has very little IT assets now, but with, within six months opening a new facility with 10 to 15 users? Well, it always starts with the problem, right? So what I would do is, you, you know, if you're sitting down with, and assuming that's a prospect, um, you sit down with the prospect, I always say, so what brings us here today? Like, why, why'd you, why am I even here? Like, you obviously think you need, you know, a, a technology company. Tell me what you're trying to do. Right. And, and it goes back to the reason why you're doing that, again, is all about understanding the current state. Because if right. you don't understand the current state, you cannot demonstrate the gap. You will sell, you will show no value and the future state won't matter to yep. them. So you have to start, yeah, exactly. you have to get to their why. Right. And here, here's the point. Um, what was that gentleman saying? Rich? Is that rich? Rich. Yep. Rich. I don't know, can you yeah, see so, that? Can you so, see the comments when I post them? Yeah, up? I can, but it went away. So I, what I would say to Rich um, is that the goal of this is to get that business as your client. So I'm assuming they're a prospect. They're not already a client. We're trying to get them as a client. So what we want to be able to do is, is find out what 
their current problem is now. It may not be what their problems are later. And, you know, there might be a bunch of things that you would sell to them when they open that new facility, but that's down the line. What we're trying to do is get you the client right this minute, right? So we focus on what the current problem is. And maybe it's maybe it's a small slice. Maybe his email is not just working right now. And uh, he's worried about, you know, uh, you know, spam and phishing scam, stuff like that, right? So maybe you show him that on an audit. And maybe the other stuff is still red. And you go, you know, these are things right now we're not going to solve. So you're at a 20. I'm going to get you to a 40. There's a lot of room to go, but we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna address that once we get you know your new facility underway, and then we'll we'll layer those pieces. And that's what we talked about, you know, being able to phase this in. But they'll appreciate the path and the vision, and what they're gonna look forward to in those business reviews is continuously turning those those red boxes green, and then they will feel that that's the improvement, and they're getting closer to that finish line. And you'll be able to upsell and cross sell all the other solutions in your stack at a later time that they might not buy right now because maybe they're too small or they, or they don't have an, an immediate need. Right. I'm going to read David's comment here. Frank is spot on. I used to have prospects feign sleeping to make me aware that my presentation was boring. The first <laughs> audit report I presented, the guy kind of laughed and said, well, I guess that's better than I thought. And they had a 28. They were very insistent on keeping the report. And let's see, his part two here is they also signed off on both phases of his proposal that he didn't bother taking out until they asked, what do we need to do to fix this? There you go. Love it. That's pretty yeah. cool. It's exactly, I, I, one of the reasons why I came up with the idea for the summary statement was because I remember talking to a prospect and they cut me off and they go, look, just what's the bottom line here? And right. I was like, uh, uh -huh. That's, you know, okay. That's one way to say shut up, right? And I was like, uh, the server is over five years old out of warranty and running a non-supported operating system. They were like, oh, great. Cool. Yeah. I was like, why, I can't, why can't I always, why can't I just do that? Right. And that was where the summary I'm telling you, your, your, your prospects will appreciate and love you for that. Yeah, they do. And, and you know, I've, I'm on that side. I'm not, not, I'm not a technical person. I understand more about technology than the average person because I work in the channel, right? And I've, I've been learning over the past three years and four years. But there's things that we all are going to be non-technical about. You can't be a technician with everything. You're going to buy something. And, and you've got to put yourself in the, the most, I think the, one of the greatest skills of sales is just em empathy. Being able to put yourself in the other person's shoes and being able to kind of go, you know what, let me pretend that I'm my user or think back to the time when you were that person, what did you buy? And you're just confused. You know, it's confusing if, if, if that person hasn't done the right work of asking the questions and getting to your why it's hey, going to be frustrating. Can I, can I bring up another quick point on that? Yeah. Sometimes absolutely. they aren't a good prospect. Well, yeah, exactly. And what this also does is if you can't get to the, if, the why and there's not a good problem or if there's not a gap or the gap's not wide enough, you could say, listen, I don't really think we're going to be able to help you. I was watching Shark Tank last night and they were telling the guy, they said, listen, you're doing pretty good on your own. Like, I don't think we could, I could bring value. I, I, you don't really need me. Right. Or sometimes those guys tap out and say, I don't think I can bring value to your situation. I'm going to tap out because there's other stories. 
So the gap gap selling will save you the headache because we all have those prospects that we're, we're chasing and we're dying to get. And we tend to want to help everybody. I think that's an innate nature of MSPs. I think we're all driven by an innate desire to help SMBs, right? Sure. But they're not all primed to be helped. That's the reality here. You can't help them all, right? And gap selling, if done properly, will save you a lot of headache. And also the prospect, you say, listen, you don't think we're a good fit for you. There you go. Right. Move on. I've told that to one or two that I thought were just playing games with me during the process. And I just take myself, I, I take it away from them. You'd be surprised how many of them come back. Oh, no, 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 no. We're interested. All right. Well, that's very powerful yeah. <laughs> to do that kind of thing. Absolutely. Let me post up uh, Steve's comment here. He said, Steve from North Vancouver. Prospects used to care about the thickness of the document. Nowadays, it's can they understand it? Does it solve a current pain point problem that they have? Well said. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, they so. said that we, we used to be in the uh, the tell me, and now we're in the show me era of selling. You know, before the internet, you would come in, people didn't know who you were, right? They knew nothing about you. You'd have to come in and tell them that your grandfather started the business in 1961 and, you know, you all your accolades and all that crap. Now they don't, this dovetails into next week's conversation, but they don't really care so much about that. It's more about showing me what you can do for me, right? They already know who you are. They've been on LinkedIn. They read your bio. They're on your, you know, they stalked your Facebook page. They looked at your website. You're well beyond that point. You know, now it's more show me. I think that comment per perfectly, you know, proves that. Right. Well, that's a great way to end this week's episode and let people get to their weekend. Uh, we do have to pick a winner though, Frank. So I'm going to mm -hmm. ask you. Pick a number between one and 11. I'm going to mix this up. So statistics show, and you know, people do those stupid things, is your number seven? Because everybody picks seven. I'm not going to do that, though. I'm not going to pick seven because that's the obvious one. I'm going to pick, what is today? Today's the fourth? I'll pick mm -hmm. four. See, I, knew four. You were, I knew you were going to pick four. Did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, that is David Skinner. So David Skinner is the fourth comment down. One, two, three, four. It's How David about this, Mike? Skinner. How about this? How can I can I buy a book for somebody? Can I can I as the founder of Audit? Can I can I pick a second number and sure. we'll, we'll get you books away? Yeah, How about absolutely. that? I'm gonna pick. Um, you just not have. You're just mad because I I guessed your number. Oh yeah, and I don't want David to think I'm mad that I didn't that it, that he got the book. No, I just I just feel like we had some great. There were some great comments there, so I don't want to feel yeah. like only one, only one. I'm gonna pick a number. I don't know nine. How about nine? All right, nine. Let's do this. One, two, six, seven, eight, nine. That's Rich Szymanski. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. So Rich yeah. and David. David, I believe you you're a client. I don't, Rich, I don't know if you are a client as well, uh, but why don't both of you guys shoot me an email with your addresses, your mailing address where you would like me to send Gap Selling. So that's Rich and David. Shoot me an email at mike at audit4it.com and we'll send that out to you. And Just so you know, raffle we, next week. That, we, that we don't lie that, or at least I don't, we actually, it's all highlighted. You see that's red there? I've got pages that are, you can see there's bookmark pages in there. So there's some really good stuff in there. If you only read the first hundred pages, which is really fast to read, well worth it. So yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. 
So congrats, guys. Send me an email, mike at auditforit.com. Shoot me your address to where you want me to send the book to. Um, and we'll send that out to you. Thanks, everybody, for, for watching on YouTube, on Facebook. We'll be back here again next week at um, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Come play with us again. Maybe we'll give away a couple books next week, too. We ate a wheel or something. We could spin it. So. We do. We'll, we'll, you know what? We'll, we'll think of something for next week. We'll do something, something different next week. So, cool. Well, happy uh, Labor Day. Have a safe weekend, everybody. I can't believe the summer's over, but uh, you know, ho here's hoping for a better fourth quarter of 2020. Exactly. Exactly. Have a great weekend, everybody.